So really excited about our chat I just had with Sensei Hurt Sellers. 15 years of practicing martial arts under him. One of my favorite humans on the planet. He's always so dynamic, always had so many good insights. Today, we talked about meditation a little bit. Of course, we talked about martial arts. We talked about the non-for-profit that we kind of collaborated to make, make happen and all the good that that's done. We talked about discipline, how martial arts has changed, but then kind of gone back. So I love, love, love this man. It's an awesome conversation. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Please share this with your friends. I really appreciate it. Y'all ready for this? Welcome to the Dan DeVerna Podcast, where we talk about business, life, and how to win it both. So I've had a couple conversations lately um, with people in gearing towards meditation and they were asking me about like, how long have you been practicing meditation? And I was like, well, that's really easy because it's the exact same amount of days that I've done martial arts <laughs> because literally the first day that I ever meditated, I think in my whole life was the first day that I walked into the dojo and we meditated before class. Yeah. So I'm curious at, at the beginning here with Joe Hertzellers, Sensei Hertzellers, but how long have you had martial arts and meditation be tied in together? Was that like all yeah. your forever or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, really it has. It's, it's very interesting because, okay, so uh, meditation is foundational to martial arts, always has been. In the karate dojo I, I was raised in, we meditated every single class. But it was just like in the old days, not many people had very deep understanding of it. It was just kind of the thing that you just do, like mm -hmm. you just do it. Like yeah. some, sometimes religion, you know, that's what we do. But, right. but for there, sure. you know, there's not, there's not uh, a, a, an in-depth of practice. And what really opened the door for me was uh, a martial art teacher uh, in Detroit, Berkeley, and Sifu Robert Brown. And he was the one that just opened my eyes that, that meditation was not just something that you do, but it was something that, that affected your practice mm -hmm. and not only affected your practice, then it, it is a little bit like vitamin C. It just makes everything a little bit better. Yeah. So how long would it have been ago that you met him? Man. Not to put you on the spot too much, but I, geez, I want to say probably, probably about the same. Well, it was a little bit before I met you, I think. Yeah. So probably maybe 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so 20 years. The meeting him, even though you've been in martial arts forever, as far as I know, right? Like yep. since you were a teenager. Yep. Yeah. Um, meeting him, changed the way you view martial arts or the way you practice martial arts or the yeah. way yeah i mean it, it, it did it did it on a couple of levels but basically you know he one of the things when we opened the, the dojo and did a remodel he was so generous and came and brought this beautiful bench which sits up in the front of the dojo and you walk up to the front of the bench and there's a little inscription on it that he had engraved and it says good martial arts taught well is enough and I guess what was going on at that time, and it was pretty much industry-wide, I'd been, become kind of a voice in the industry. I'd gone to a lot of uh, big events and became a board member for a large martial arts association. And there was all this stuff that people were doing, and all of it was well-intentioned. It was a wonderful organization, but it was all about 
you know, what, what are we going to do to create better student retention? And what kind of, are we going to have social events? And are we going to do all these other, all these other things that you can find anywhere, right? You can find them in, in, in a, a social club or a boating club or a golf club or a country club. But what Sifu's biggest thing was, and it's just a wonderful contribution, was you don't need really any of those things if your martial arts is great and real, because that's what brings the people. And uh, so then that led to this idea that, well, this isn't just a physical thing that we're doing. Meditation is so important. And then he began to articulate how meditation then affects the way you focus. And the way you focus is what you're drawing to yourself. And so literally you can begin to create your own life by learning to meditate. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. So I think when, when I at the very beginning of learning to meditate and learning in that class, which kind of caught me off guard if, as I remember, because I didn't know that was, you know, I was thinking of martial arts the way probably most people think of martial arts. So I was going in there and then we start with this focus on the breath, the inhalation, the exchange, the exhalation. There's nowhere more important to be nowhere more important nothing more important that needs to be done, be here now. And then I remember you explaining like the process of like you, and that wasn't necessarily in the first class, but there's going to be times when you hear something and you think of something and you go over here and then your only responsibility really is just to come back to that breath. Yeah. And so I think people are really critical of themselves on meditation. They're critical as well in martial arts, but they're very critical on the meditation, but it's just, just like your practice of martial arts, your practice of meditation. It's just practice. It's practice. Right? Like, That's right. It's all just a process That's right. of that. That's right. Right. And it's, and it's not, um, meditation is not a process of self-improvement or self-development. And th those are wonderful things. Of course, the practice of martial arts is really self-development and we're getting stronger, we're getting faster, we're getting all those kinds of things. But what, what meditation is at its, at its core, the way that I teach it, is that it's the stilling of the mind. Because when you stop all thought, you stop all negative beliefs. And when you stop negative beliefs, you become more of that person that you were when you were four years old and you didn't have any of those negative beliefs. See, the problem is, is, is what's going on right now? The, the, there's a great uh, Indian uh, philosopher named Krishnamurti. He's very poetic, the things that he wrote. But one of the things he used to always say is he used to say, the present and the past are always dead. And the present is dead because it's like the gum that you've chewed all of the flavor out of. Your present moment is nothing more than the decisions that you've made that are now manifesting, okay? So here's a funny little story I was thinking about this the other day. So when I was a, a kid, I was like in fifth grade or something, and we went to this little tiny Christian school, and the report card day comes out. <clears throat> and in those days, they would pass the report cards out to you, and it would be in an envelope. Yeah. And there's this little kid, fifth grader sitting right beside me. It's Christian school. He puts it down on his desk. He folds his hands up and he starts praying. And the teacher says, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying for good grades, right? And my point is, is that most people live their lives that way. They've done the activity. They've done the thinking. They've done the focusing. And now the result is right in their face. 
And then they want some higher power or some physical activity <laughs> to fix the result of what they just did. Right. So what meditation does is allows you to get out ahead of it. So what happens is, is you stop your thinking. And when you stop your thinking, all that negative garbage that's in your mind starts to become visible. Mm -hmm. And then you've also strengthened your mind so that you can choose to place it where you want and hold it there for longer periods of time. Because at this very moment, we are creating our futures. And meditation teaches you what you're doing at this very moment so that you've given back the dignity of choice. You can choose what to think when you've disciplined your mind. Yeah. I think like the tie-in that I never saw, or I didn't see early, but I've seen later, lately, the tie-in between meditation and martial arts. Like there's a mental and physical thing that is, in my opinion, is exactly the same, but in two very different, and that's your response. Yeah. yeah. So somebody says something and you can like, it's kind of, you see it, it's like there. If it was in physical form, it's here. And then you do what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. the same thing very much the same thing with martial arts. Like your partner does something or opponent, some would say, and they do something and your, your response. So you can, like, I think a very easy response is just to move out of the way. Right. right? right. So like in that case, somebody says something negative about you and you just are like, I don't accept that. Like that's, I'm sidestepping that. Yeah. And so I think there's a, I think there's such a deep, a way deeper assessment of me 15 years into martial arts that tie in that I definitely for at least the first 10 years I didn't see that yeah like I liked it I appreciated all the parts I really I, I think you know other parts of the meditation practice are super it's super magical but now where it used to be such a badge to say I can meditate for this long now it's like well I think it's pretty cool that I can meditate sometimes for 90 seconds and get pretty far in 90 seconds. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not right. And it's not a, <clears throat> not a matter of measurement. It's just a matter of, of enjoyment. It's a matter of, am I, am I feeling, um, a, a sense of, of a raised vibration when I do this? Am I getting that result? And am I seeing it affect the way that I behave in my everyday life? And, and it usually does. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely usually does. I think it has a lot to do with attitude too. I think um, when I walked into martial arts the first couple times, it just felt different. Like it felt different in two big ways. Quality of people seemed very high. And then like I was a person who was raised going to church multiple times a week. And so it felt on some level because at the end of an awful lot of the classes, you would give a little talk and that, that talk would be, I don't know if I, I'm curious kind of, if that's a talk that you have always teed up or if it's just like, I'm going to wait and see at the end of class and see what direction this takes or, you know, but it always feels to me, almost always feels to me like if you've ever gone to church and you felt like the pastor or priest was speaking to you, I felt like I was always at that point, like almost the only person in the room. Yeah. Like all of a sudden everybody else is gone and I'm just sitting there listening, hearing what I need to hear 
from your lips to my ears. And I found that to be super interesting and maybe selfish, but whatever it is, it's, it was my reality and still is my reality. Right. You know? So uh, a way to look at this, um, and I've kind of been teaching this lately, but um, so there's this thing called reception. Like, what are you, what are we receiving? Like what, 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 what's coming in or another way to say it that may be a little easier is, is what am I able to hear? What am, what am I open to? Mm-hmm. And so the natural question that people ask is, you know, how do you tune your reception mode so that you're receiving the best stuff, whether you want to be, have more fitness, you want more money in your life, you want better relationships. How do you tune to that frequency so that you can get the insights and the ideas that you need to move ahead? And what people don't realize is what you are broadcasting is exactly what you're receiving. So when a, a fantastic student like you comes into a room and I say something and you go, wow, that was just what I needed. It's because you were broadcasting that. And then it was coming back out of me. And there was this loop that was going on between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And this happens all the time. This happens even in this conversation, but it sure. happens everywhere we go. Yeah. What I'm putting out is what the universe is delivering back every single time. So the next time you're in class and I say something that's brilliant, just give yourself a big pat on the back because it's all you. It's <laughs> not me. It's awesome. Yeah. I feel like all these conversations are kind of like that. Like when you're, when you're just a little more dialed in with certain people, it's, it just is easier. And there's the give and take of a good, like a good dance, you know, that it kind of moves back and forth like that. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think most people that have known, known me have heard about you. And I think it's an interesting how many people, when you talk about martial arts, like all the things that people think about martial arts people, and then when they actually meet the martial arts people, they realize how different it is from what, like martial arts, generally they, people, they think they're really tough, which let's face it, they are tougher than usual, Mm -hmm. but they're also generally the kindest person and one of the most like unlikely people for you to see get in a fight. That's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that's an interesting facet. I mean, how many fights have you been in in the last 20 years? <laughs> like, <laughs> no. uh, none. Yeah, me either. <laughs> so, and I think, and I think it's funny. I was just in California a few days ago and people went, when they know you do martial arts, they just like, to be honest with you, this trip, it was an awesome trip with awesome people. Almost none of them knew they wouldn't shut up about it. Like it, every time they were with me, that's what they wanted to talk about. Yeah. Which I love talking about martial arts, but it's like, shouldn't we be, I feel like there's seven people here. We're only talking about my martial arts. Like yeah. I feel kind of like, Hey, we can, let's talk about some other stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's definitely something that people are attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. And fascinated by, have you seen, like, where would you put when you started practicing or in the, any middle phase to how popular martial arts is then versus now? So this is a, that's a great question. So it's, it's kind of interesting because when I started in the 1970s, martial arts was at a, a, a 
big peak of interest, right? Because you had Enter the Dragon in the, in the theaters, you had High Karate Cologne, right? You had James Bond movies where they would do a few little things, and it was just the coolest thing that everybody, Kung Fu was the TV series with Dan yeah. Carradine. Awesome. Everybody wanted it, but it, it was, there was no supply. Most towns had one dojo. And, and so it was just a really very odd time. And if you could, sometimes, sometimes in those days, it was even hard. They would, oh, no, we're not open. We're not taking students right now, right? Mm -hmm. Many dojos didn't accept kids. Now kids are the majority of, you know, the, of, the, of the business model of most dojos are kids, right? But they weren't, they didn't accept kids. They didn't make uniforms in kids' sizes back then. Mm -hmm. So you find some Japanese for little Japanese people, then you kind of use the smallest one that you could possibly get if, yeah. if you if you were small enough. But um, so there, there was there was that. Now that was neat in the from the standpoint that it was really special to be part of a dojo, right? And it also gave the 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 teachers and there was there was you know like like the sword with with two sides right the, the one sword side was that gave that teacher the autonomy to say this is what we're going to do this is the standard and that's it because there was no, no business pressure there was none of that there was an endless supply of people that wanted to join on the other side that also allowed people to maybe be a little bit more aggressive than what they probably should have been. They didn't understand teaching principles. Remember a lot of the early martial arts people came in, you know, in Japan or Korea or other places, and they learned in the military when it was there for a specific purpose, they learned a specific way of thinking. And they also took a lot of things that were really non-martial art traditions that were really military traditions and brought them into the martial arts world so that when the world kind of changed, some of those guys got left behind a little bit. Now, I'll be real brief with this, but I would just say, but now today we have the explosion of knowledge and, and the, some of the, I mean, the greatest athletes in the world, I think, are probably martial artists at this point. Agreed. Um, and, and, and there's knowledge and there's sharing and everything's going in all kinds of different directions. And the best part of it all is, is now the era of professionalism has entered into martial arts. So a good dojo is like, you know, going into a good golf club in that there's professional standards. There's, there's a way that people address one another. It's really the essence of what the art was always designed to be. It's just that we went through a little rough stage in the 1970s and 80s. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's neat to see so many people and, you know, at, at our dojo, like it's, it's shocking because the way that when I was on the outside looking in originally, so go back to 20 years ago, it felt like, oh, I'm not a kid anymore. I missed my chance, you know, <laughs> and growing up in Pemberville, it was a town where we didn't have a dojo. I don't even know where the closest dojo would have been. Like, I don't know if Bowling Green had a dojo or if I would have come to Toledo to go. To, I, I don't really have any idea, but I know I didn't have any exposure to it. And I know one friend that did. And he was two grades below me, and I, I wasn't really friends with him. I just knew. So wherever his family took him to, I suppose, was maybe the closest place, but it wasn't super local to us. Like, yes. they sought that out. And so what now... I, and I don't know the balance of kids to adults, but there's a balance of kids to adults. Yeah. Like there's a lot of kids yeah. and there's an awful lot of adults. Yep. And, yep. you know, we were talking to a, a friend today because every time we get together, oh, how do you know? You know, oh, okay, well, 
and they're like, oh, I might, I, I want to get in there. Yeah. Like it happens every time I talk about martial arts, I want to do that. Yeah. I, and I think that's the draw. And I think it's neat. What do you think people are looking for that they're looking yeah. for that? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you martial arts. I mean, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Yeah. And we, everybody wants to feel secure. Everybody wants to feel strong. Everybody wants to feel independent. Everybody wants to be able to change their body in a way and get their body to do things that they didn't think that they could do before. And what happens, and you kind of touched on this before, but you know why martial arts people, for the most part, are some of the, the most down-to-earth, kind of comfortable, friendly people is, is that what happens is when you walk into a room and you, you feel this pride in what you've been able to do for yourself, it can't help but affect the way you deal with other people. You know, in the past, when somebody would say something to you and you'd be really offended by it, you don't care anymore. It's just right. not that big of a deal anymore. It's just Because you, you've, you've, what you've, in a way, what you've done is you've expanded your personal universe to be so big that that little fly that used to really bother you just kind of gets swallowed up in the bigness of who you've become. And I think martial arts can do that for people. And of course, then when parents start to realize the value of what that can do for children, when a child, you know, we are, I still believe to this day, are the most self-esteem deprived society in the history of the world. Everything is about follow this rule, follow that rule. You're not good enough. You've got to make the grade. You've got to do better. You've got to do this. You've got to do that, the other thing. And what martial arts does for people is it gives them that self-esteem and it gives them something that they can do at their own speed, on their own level, at their own time, and they can be successful. And we have kids that come in that, that, um, that struggle in other sports because it's kind of many sports. It's sometimes the survival of the fittest. It's not designed to be that way, but somebody's got to score the goal. Right. And if Johnny can't kick the ball as well as the other kids, then the coach is just naturally not going to want to put him in. But right. that never happens in martial arts. Yeah. Never. And some of those kids, and it just breaks my heart when it happens, but it's, I'm also very proud of it. Some of those kids that never got any playing time, that never participated in any sports, they're in my program for two or three years or another good martial art program. And they get all that strength and all that power. And then they try out soccer or basketball or something like that. And then sometimes we lose them to them, but we're kind of proud to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very meaningful as a child to, for them to have those certain tools and confidence and that stuff. And I also think it's extremely, although it gives you those same things, I think the other part, the part that the kids are set up for is these open relationships with their friends at school. Yeah. The adults oftentimes don't have, like you look around and you might not see anybody else where you work or you might have a job where you're not with people so much at work. So it also, it, there's this community thing that happens, yeah. which is one of the other parts. I don't think anybody joins martial arts to, for that. Right. Right. But they get it. They like, get it. it. Like I didn't join martial arts for that. I got it. Like a couple of my best friends I'll ever have. I didn't join martial arts for meditation, but I got it. I, you know, there's all these other facets. I joined martial arts, never thinking I would be doing it for 15 years. Right. I was like a recovering fat guy who wanted to have something to kind of help me be held accountable. Yeah. So I got like, I had, my intentions were like this big and now you get all these things and, you know, we're able to do so much and all the adult relationships, they're very, they're, it's very different, but it's a great place to have them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. a couple of very dear friends that 
you know, are going to be my friends forever, but I'm going to be practicing martial arts. I think, I mean, my intentions are truly forever. Yeah. Like they really, like that's really my agenda. My grandpa's 97. So, and I'm most like him. So I think the likelihood, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but that's we cool. got a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Time and, I have. And, and you're having fun. So I'm why, having fun. Why not? Why yeah. not? <laughs> and, and another thing that I think with martial arts that is really cool, and then I'll shut up for a minute and go back to you talking, your profoundness. But I think that we've gotten soft. Yeah. As a society, like, and I'm guilty with my kids, right? And so I think having a place like truthfully, depending upon how hard you're going in that class, it's probably the hardest part of your day. Yeah. The most rewarding, but the hardest part of your day. So once you get through that, like all the rest of the day, like what's going to be hard after facing off with someone, you know, in a physical situation where you're nervous and you're anxious and somebody's shouting out orders a little bit and you're, you know, you're doing those orders and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on a physical level, one of the, the great things is, is, is it's, it is a, just when we're talking about the workout part, it's a self-adjusting workout, right? Right. So if you're hitting a pad, right? And once you get to a certain, we always have to tell our newbies, don't hit so hard. You got to, you know, kind of build up to it and so For on. Sure. But once you get to a certain level of conditioning, I say, well, how hard are you going to hit the pad? And the answer is, as hard as I can. If I'm thinking about self-defense, I'm going to hit as hard as I can. Well, what happens when that muscle gets stronger? What happens when those joints get stronger? What happens when your body mechanics get stronger and you can hit harder? How hard are you going to hit then? As hard as I can. So I, I know people that'll do a workout. They'll do a you know, video or something. I do that video every day. And, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's good. After, after three or four weeks, if they just put a, a, a monitor on their wrist, they're not getting the same workout they were getting. Right. But I'm telling you, you can be doing it for 15 years. You can be doing it for three years. You can do it for one year. But what happens is every single workout will hit you just like those early workouts do. For sure. Because you're doing everything as best you can. It's just yeah. the way it works. Yeah. We had recently, so we're going to talk a little bit about testing. I think that's a fun thing to talk about because sure. I think it's an important part of martial arts. And um, we recently had testing and when we were like with the COVID situation, my last test was one person. It was just me, <laughs> which I'm glad I went through that, but I don't really need to do that again. Like I'd be fine if that never has to happen again. But um, so we had one person and then we had several people helping accommodate that. And we would do some sparring and some rolling and all those things. But our most recent testing session where I just helped, we had, I think 12 people testing. Yeah. which is very interesting because you've got all that energy and all these different people and then people there to help. And I think it's a lot of fun from the outside, but on the inside, you're like, you have all these kind of demands and these expectations, physical expectations and uh, mental expectations. And that's very intentional, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why I equate testing to, you know, you can go for a jog, you can go for a run. It's a wonderful activity. I enjoy it myself. But if you know you have a 5K coming up or a 10K, it's going to change the way you run. Right. And that changes everything. So when you start to measure it a little bit, and that's what it does for people, it gives them this goal and this sort of unification. And the other thing that it does that's really valuable too is, is there's 
pieces of the curriculum. Guys that like to kick, all they want to do is kick. People want to punch, all they want to do is punch. People yeah. like jujitsu, they don't want to strike. They want to do jujitsu, right. right? And if you know you're going to be tested over each one of those things, you got to work on them all. Yeah. And the great thing about that is, is sometimes some of those things that you think you suck at, right? Those become your favorite things. Yes. Like I remember just for myself, two things. Like I remember getting, so when you're testing, you get three strikes. Yeah. And if you get a third, which means you did something incorrectly or you didn't know something or wherever it was. And I remember getting a strike on my jab. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But it was yeah, a I do long time that. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember that and, and going, oh my gosh, I've been practicing martial arts for a year or whatever it was. And I don't know how to throw a jab. Right. Like, because I wasn't extending. And then I remember the other thing that I thought was a, like a weakness. It was my hook. And I just was like, I was watching Dr. Tom do a hook and he does a hook different than almost everyone else in the class. Yeah. Like he just does a different style. Like he brings this, you know, it's come. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch his hook and watch his hook and practice his hook and practice his hook and practice that in it, it, mine doesn't look like his, I assure you, but it's it now it may be one of the best tools in my belt. Yeah. You know, so over this evolution and then we tested, we didn't test, but we were with in the testing process and just being in a group with 12 people. Now there's two extras, Dr. Tom and myself. So there's 14 and we're just going as hard as you can. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't matter. Like I, I know my heart, I know where my heart rate was. Like I, <laughs> right. I don't know. I wasn't measuring it. I know. Right. Cause you can't go much harder than I was going. Yeah. And so it, it's such a neat thing. Yeah. And, and to have, of course you had that one day you described where you were by yourself, but <coughs> when you're testing with a group of people to go through those experiences with other people, awesome. even those people you, you may, they're, they're people that you train with, that you're always friendly with. Some of them will become close friends, some not. But at the end of that test, in a way, everybody's close friends. Yeah. Everybody. It's like being in the foxhole together. Well, and you're rooting for yeah. those other people, yeah. you know, because it's definitely a society of, of that. Yeah. Like it's definitely not, <clears throat> it's definitely not a group where you're, I'm pushing you down for me to go up. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me there. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So it's interesting. I find that. So let's talk about why the testing's so hard. Like, because yeah. it's, it, you know, there's a lot of places that do martial arts and you know, you know, you know, for a fact what the first question I get. Right. So you've practiced 15 years. You got, you were, how long have you been a black belt? Right. Well, here's the thing. Not a black belt. <laughs> so what do you, oh, you must be lousy at martial arts right. if you're not a black belt. <laughs> right. You know, 15 Cause my, years. Because my five-year-old is a third-degree black belt, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah my seven-year, it's interesting because my nephew's seven and he's a black belt. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that you're not. So the seven-year-old, in, in their mind, legitimately, maybe, right. they think their seven-year-old nephew can beat me up. Right. Which, you know, is funny. <laughs> but, but let's speak to that because I think that is, like, it's so unique. Yeah, I, I've seen it only in two places, and I think yeah. I think for us not to speak to that is a really it would be a mistake. Yeah. So um, what it comes down to this is not to devalue any of those folks that do that. Right. I've seen those kinds of programs change children's lives, and I think it's wonderful. It's awesome. And I have just encouraged that as much. Martial arts is good for people. Period. Right. Um, so it's really just a matter of of setting whatever 
the the standard that that you've set, and then giving people an opportunity to rise to that. But what I've noticed is, you, like you you don't you don't have to make the standards so difficult that no one can ever achieve it or anything like that. It's not that's not the matter. It's just like I guess the analogy of a race is a, is a pretty good one. I mean, the benefit for training for a 5K is significantly higher than if you're training for a 1K. Right. And if you're training for a 10K, that's a whole different level. And if you run in a marathon, I know you've done that. Yeah. If you run in a marathon, that's a whole different animal. So it's just a matter of setting that standard to allow somebody. Now, we, we say that martial arts is a way of life. And for some people, it is. Obviously, for you, it is. And for me, it is. And others. But I just wanted to supply something that gave some body fodder for their life so that they always have something they're working towards. We don't ever want to run in a situation where you end up with a, 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 a certain number of students and they kind of feel like, okay, that's it. There's nothing that I'm working towards anymore. I think what we've done is we've created this, this curriculum that's very complete and there's a lot in that curriculum. And one, it takes that long. And two, it's, it's, it's a valuable thing because what it does is it raises the standard of everyone. I think it, it's unique and I think it's special. Yeah. I think that, uh, so I'm not confident on how many black belts you've given out. I know we currently only have two. Yeah. yeah. And we have one person who's getting, I would assume, fairly close yep. in that range. Yep. And then you've got a couple other behind him. Yeah. But there's not like this, like it really is a very, very small number of people out of the hundreds and then thousands of people. Yeah that start to do martial arts yeah. with you. Well, so. well, I mean, the goal of the whole thing is, I remember when I tested for black belt and you, we finished the test and there's so much that went into it. I can't even, you know, I could talk forever about the, the months and years leading to this moment. And then we go through the test and there were times during that test when I literally didn't know if I was awake or not. Like I was at that level, like when you're running a marathon and you're like, I don't know if, am I still running? I don't know. Right. But I, I think I am, but I'm yeah. not sure that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the end. And then in those days there was a, like this meeting where they would all go back. All the people that were testing, it were all these high ranking black belts and they go back into the office and you're waiting, 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 waiting. And then you have the thought, I don't care if I passed or not. Why would I care? I'm not here for that. Right. And, um, and as it turned out, I tested with four others, three passed, one did not. Um, but it really didn't matter. And then when you get to that point where the, nobody can take that, that, nobody can take your rank away from you. That's, I think, martial arts when it's doing the, the best thing it can for you. Yeah. It's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, it is really is the journey. I remember being with, with, couple of my martial arts friends and realizing that I was a brown sash, brown belt, brown sash, whatever, you know, some people, the verbiage is a little different, but in going, how in the world am I this? Like I've seen some good martial artists and I didn't feel like I was one of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's interesting that like, you've done all these things, but yet the martial arts is such a massive thing. And I, I got introduced to jujitsu from watching our black belts. Like, so when you gave out the first two black belts that I've ever seen given out, I watched them proceed to line up on either side of the dojo. And this wasn't the testing part. They had already done the testing part, I believe. 
Yeah. And this was just like the display. Yeah. It's really the celebration, really. The celebration, yeah. the beauty of what. Yeah. And you said, Stephen, go this way. Mr. Pagel, go this way. And then there's a line of everyone there. I believe there were 42 people. Yeah. If I remember correctly, 41 or 42 people. And they proceeded to roll, which means the grapple, which with each of these 42 people and spar with each of these 42 people. So I'm very comfortable sparring with, I, I don't know, 42 people seems like a lot, but very comfortable sparring. But when I went to the ground, even for my minute and a half or two minutes or whatever I did with those guys, I was like, dude, you're not ready. Like you have to do some work to deserve what these guys definitely deserve. Like yeah. these guys are in a class, several classes above me at that point that I felt. Yeah. And so it introduced me to a whole new part of martial arts because I had to. Yeah. Because I, w I don't know that I would have been ever ready yeah. to do that without that. Yeah. And so it's really, and it, it's, it's so fascinating how big martial arts is and all the different parts and pieces to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And stuff. So if you go back into your... Um, like highlight reel, like this is kind of putting you on the spot, but I know you're, you're really good on the spot. But it, when I tell you that you're con like constantly amazing people with your, with your talks and presenting some of those and the five, the five ways, which we can go into or not, but I'm just thinking of like how emotional, how spiritual, and physical and how it brings all those things together. And when we're getting some of the spiritual stuff from you, like it's, you wouldn't expect that from the dojo. Like yeah. can, how has that been part of what you've done forever? Or was that an influence from somewhere? Well, definitely from the earliest days, I was always fascinated. Always, 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 always. Very first karate book I had, it's out of print now. It was a big, thick, book. Well, actually, that's not true. I had another one that was by the same author, Masutatsu Yama, Vital Karate. And then this big uh, volume called This is Karate. And back in those days, it, there weren't very many martial arts books in publishing. Yeah. You know, it's all different today. Mm -hmm. And these were beautiful books. But Oyama talked about meditation right from day one. I was always very interested in that. I always kind of viewed um, like the practice of martial arts as one thing. And then this sort of spiritual interest as another thing. And I think um, over time, what I've come to realize, and certainly what I teach, is that there's really no separation between the physical and the spiritual. These are one and the same. You know, the, 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 it's, it is your ability to place your mind where you want to go and hold it there long enough that gives you results. And that result could be firing a reverse punch or doing a guillotine or something like that. Or that result could be in creating a better relationship for you and your family. So all of those things are connected. And so I've always believed that. I've studied that. I st studied Alan Watts, you know, as a kid. I studied uh, Krishnamurti, who I mentioned before. Um, studied some of Yogananda's work. And little by little by little, Esther Hicks has probably been the biggest influence in my life, without a doubt. Wow. Um, and so I've done all of that work. And, I, and, I, and to, to wake up one day and realize that the two things that I love the most which is martial arts and which is the spiritual work are the same thing. It's crazy. It's like I, I woke up and realized I had won the lottery and I, I had the ticket and it was buried in my hip pack somewhere and I just didn't check it. And when I realized that, I, I, life started to get really good. Yeah. Well, when you're like, hey, these are my 
these are my people and they're not martial like some are martial arts people and some aren't martial arts people yeah but it all pertains to my martial arts practice yeah like yeah that's a home run like, that's pretty cool um so let's talk about something that we kind of started together a few years ago and i think it's done a lot of good for a lot of people and i i have a hard time not having that come up while we're here because i sure. think it's pretty cool um so a long time ago we had a a coffee or a beer or something we talked about the reason that more people don't do martial arts in Toledo and it's no longer in the scope of just Toledo anymore, but just the United States, right. Yeah. Is, is money. Yeah. And so when the transmission, the car goes out, somebody loses their job, insert story here. Yeah. Uh, martial arts, just like, hey, we can't afford to do martial arts. Yeah. So it, historically, that would mean they would come to you and say, hey, you know, Bob lost his job, so Jimmy and Sally aren't going to be able to do martial arts anymore. And you would probably say, well, you know, just keep them bringing them and I'll, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And so we created uh, a non-for-profit, an official 501c3 that, is able to supplement scholarships for basically a lot of kids, some adults, people that otherwise wouldn't be able to do martial arts. Yeah. So we've now, we, that's been a long time ago. Yeah. And we've given out thousands of scholarships yeah. and we are now doing it with other schools. Yeah. Not just locally, but yeah, you know, throughout. Yeah. yeah. And so it, what do you, I, I haven't heard of anybody else doing this yet. I want more people to jump on board, but could you give us like your version of a commercial of what that is and was and all anything you can think of with well, that? Well, just, you know, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about when I was telling you about that bench that Sifu Brown um, gifted to our dojo that says great martial arts, good martial arts taught well is enough, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the commercial model of most martial arts schools is about student engagement, right? And that makes sense. I mean, people need to be, feel part of community. They need to be part of an organization. So the, in the commercial model, what will happen is um, they'll have, a, a, for kids, a movie night, or they'll have a, a, a special trip where they go some a picnic or things like that. And those are all wonderful things. Great, 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 great. But what we like is to be focused on martial arts. Yeah. So it just makes sense then to do events and then those events do create that socialization. Plus they bring people that are not in martial arts that are part of the community into the mix where they can kind of get to know us. We can get to know them and proceeds from those events, which create this wonderful atmosphere in our dojo in the first place, then feed right back to the thing that we love, which is helping people with their martial arts so they can grow stronger and be better and, and, and get all the benefits that we've been talking about. So, um, look, every school in the country that, that where, the, when you have good teachers and there are many, 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 um, we love to teach. We love to share the art with people. And, you know, as far as I know, there's no good teacher that when somebody runs out of money is going to say, hey, the doors are, doors are closed. We've, we've, all of our careers have been built on helping people. If somebody's using it, I don't care about that. And many people know that about me. So here's the thing. This allows the school to continue to function from a business standpoint 
and still be able to practice the arts that we love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat because the truthfully, the last time in the world that you want to give up martial arts is when you are unemployed. That's right. And things aren't going very well. Yeah, that's, when, and, you and that's when you need it the most. Yeah. And, you know, something happens where, you know, kids are affected in a lot of different ways. But yeah. they, parents going through a divorce, which often means financial problems. Like we're seeing it from all different aspects. But now to have like literally have had, you know, been looked at by the government a few times. We've been doing it for a long time. And they're like, oh, these Still deserves the 501c3 label. We're doing everything right. Yeah. Nobody's receiving a salary. Nobody's like, this is like literally all the money's falling right back into the system for primarily for these, these kids to be able to continue to do martial arts or to be introduced to martial arts, yeah. which is yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. And then we have down in Columbus, we have uh, Matt Brown and the Immortal who just won his most recent UFC fight. Pretty tough at 40 years old. UFC, pretty awesome. UFC legend, Le- right? He'll be a Hall of Famer yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's an awesome human. And he's also, uh, I remember when visiting his place and we were, you just talk, we went into his office and we're talking about ma'am and the things that ma'am does, this non-for-profit. And, you know, he's waiting for me to tell him what the downside is. <laughs> like he's, people, that's the biggest hesitation is nobody knows how to respond because people don't reach out to give you money without some kind of expectation back. Yeah. And uh, martial arts has never really asked me for anything back. Like I give it to Mark, you know, it's given me <laughs> all this stuff. And it's yeah, not it's asked for you for yeah. a lot of sweat, yeah, a lot right. of sweat, <laughs> a lot of sweat. Um, but, but I remember we were walking out of his, his office and we're, we walked past a group that wasn't there when I went into the office and it was a group of special needs students. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what, what's going on here? He's like, Oh, that's uh, whatever this group is. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me about that? And he's like, well, you told me you guys do the stuff for the kids. I'm like, well, but, 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 <laughs> you know, I was like, well, it looks like we need to expand that conversation. Yeah. So you get guys like Matt who was doing that out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. Paying the coaches to do that already. It's so such a natural fit for us to be able to like come in. And at some point I know for a fact like it is implanted and will be like this, these, a conversation like this is going to go to the right person. You know, we have Matt Brown. We're going to get lots of Matt Browns. We're going to get an audience with Dana White someday. Like we know that this is going to be something that can blow up and be something across the United States that will be, it's going to be pretty awesome. Like it's going to be a cool way for some of us to have contributed back to the thing we love that's done so well for us. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Pretty cool. So anything else that we should be talking about before I let you go? I appreciate your time always. Mm -hmm. I know there's this, this uh, constant evolution of the dojo and the things we're doing. Uh, Where would somebody find, because the the question I get, we we already had it once today. Like somebody sees us together and they're like, Oh, two very handsome bald headed guys that are in exceptional (laughs) shape and clearly badasses. Like, how do I get to be a part of that? Yeah. And so like literally every time that martial arts comes up, Oh, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Like how, how might, what's, what's the process for being introduced to that? Cause it's not a scary process. Like no. you've really yeah. brought that process down to be something so seamless and, and easy. It's not going to be, it, it's simple, not easy. That's Let me right. rephrase that. Well said, well said. <laughs> yeah. 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 
So, I mean, the easiest thing to get information, you know, about us is, um, our website, which is ohiomartialarts.com. And uh, we are at the shops at Fallen Timbers. Everything's on that website. Uh, people can get uh, information on our schedule. There's our philosophy, like what we do, what's the benefits for people. And then if somebody wants to take that other step and try it out, we do an introductory course and they can literally just register online and it's one of the easiest things you'll ever do. So that's certainly the first step. Um, then I would also say, I was just going back to what, uh, something that you had said earlier is that if there's anything I wanted to add, I just want to say, you know, you know, you had said earlier that a lot of your people know you. Well, a lot of people listening at home may not know is just about everybody that I know knows this guy. Okay. Because your reputation in the financial field is just, you're the, you're the Matt Brown of finance. Okay. Thank you. I and, appreciate uh, that. and I appreciate what you've done for me and my family in that regard as well. So. I really appreciate that. I, uh, something that you said just before I wanted to kind of speak to because it spoke to me just, uh, Hey, make sure you get this out there. So one of the things that I, when people are introduced to martial arts, they're kind of scared. I think for sure, like the hardest rank to get is a white belt. That's just my opinion. Like I'm still in the practice of going to be a black belt, yep. but I think the hardest rank is the white belt because walking in that class, the first day is clearly in my opinion, the way the hardest time. Yeah. Like the first time. Yeah. So I want to correct what I think is a misnomer. And that is, I don't want to go in there and get put with somebody like you that's been doing this for 20 years and get my butt kicked. And what I want you to know is I'm exactly who you want to be put with. Yeah. <laughs> like Mark Sears has been practicing yeah. martial arts for 20 years and he's the toughest dude and he, the chances of you getting hurt with Mark Sears is zero. Yeah. Like that, that's part of the beauty is that they're going to take the person that's never done this before. And they're going to put them not just with any random person. You're literally going to be with a person, you know, the yeah. top Dr. McLaughlin's, you know, the Stevens, the Dan's, the Mark's, like you're going to be put with Mr. Snavely, the folks that are such like the, there's no question what your experience will be yeah. on the, after that first class. So if you haven't done it, this is a really not a risky situation. <laughs> like you're getting, like you're getting the absolute best treatment with the best people at the best place. It's pretty awesome. So thanks for all you are. Thanks. I'm honored. Appreciate I'm honored. it. Thank you. Awesome. Products and services using the following business names: Creative Financial Partners Insurance and Financial Services, Ameritas Investment Company LLC, Vendor Fenrir SIPC Security Investments, Ameritas Advisory Services, AAS Investment Advisory Services, AIC and AAS are not affiliated with Creative Financial Partners. Products and services are limited to residents of states where the representative is registered. This is not an offer securities in any jurisdiction, nor is it specifically directed to a resident of any jurisdiction. As with any security request and prospectus from a representative, read carefully before you invest or send money. The representative will contact you to provide request information. Representative of AIC and AAS do not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult your tax advisor or attorney regarding the situation. Whew. Thanks for watching.